Today's daf is daf chafbeis and meseches tainus, and we are up to Rev Breika Chuza, Rev Breika of Chuza, which is the second wide line, um, towards the end of the line on chafbeis Amar Aleph. Again, the second wide line, um, approximately ten lines total from the top of the Yamad. Okay, here we go. Would go to the shuk, the marketplace of Beilefet. Would appear to him. Is there anybody here who is on who is a shuin for Gan Eden for the world to come? Aliyah Navi says, No, I don't see anybody right now. Meanwhile, Okay, they saw a guy who was wearing black shoes. It looked like he wasn't wearing tzitzis. Rashi explains, We're dealing with a yid. This was a yid, but he dressed like a guy. Right? Dressed like a guy. Now, listen to this fascinating story. On the surface, we'd say, What's a yid doing dressed like a guy? Amarle Elio says to Rebrecha, I want to tell you, Hi, Bar Alma de Osihu. This guy, he's big stuff. He's a chetoyle to Ganeid. Rod Pastor, Rebrecha right after him. my Uvdach, what do you do for a living? Amarle, Zilla, Idna, Vesalamachar, come back to me tomorrow. I can't talk right now. The Machar the next day, Amarle, my Uvdach, what do you do? Amarle, Zandu Kono Ano. I am a jail warden. I make sure the men and women stay separately. And I place my bed where I lay down between the men and the women. So they don't come to do any to, they don't come to any sort of transgression. When I see a Jewish girl who's in captivity, that the the non-Jewish um, inmates are uh, keeping an eye on her. Yeah, they're looking at, you know, they're looking at, at her improperly. Yeah, I know what they're out for. So I do whatever it takes to protect her. One day, there was an Aramurasa, a woman who had Arison, a young woman who had Arison without Nesuim. I saw them looking at her. So what I did is I took um, jugs of wine. And I threw it on her clothing to make it her lower clothing, her dress, her skirt, to make it look like she was um, during the time of month of menstruation. And I told them, guys, leave her alone. She's, uh, she's having her period. It's a bad time to be running after her to try to take your relationship to uh, the next step. Amalei Rebreka says, okay, listen, I see that you're dressed like a guy, but you talk, act like a yid. So my time of Les Lachuti, where's your tzitzis? Ramis Masani Ochmi, and you're wearing black shoes, which is what the Goyim wore in that time. He says, Listen, I go back and forth amongst the Goyim, and listen to this. He says, Therefore, I dress like a guy. You know why? I'm like an undercover Yid, I'm an undercover spy. I don't want them to know I'm a Jew. This way, whenever there's a decree against Klal Yisrael, I could go let the Rabbana know, and the Rabbanim could go and start davening that the Goyim, Shimavatel, their Gezeras. I'm an undercover Yid. Yeah? So usually we say 
you know, it's not good to be an undercover yid, right? There's a person should walk around proudly, uh, proudly like a Jew. There was a guy who was walking out of shul on Rosh Hashanah, and the rabbi says to him, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I got to see you more often. I expect you to be part of the army of God. The guy says, what do you mean, rabbi? I'm part of the army of God. The rabbi says, really? How come I don't see you? You don't come to shul. He says, that's because I'm in the secret service. Right? Okay? It's a joke. But Lamaisa, yeah, it's not good to be in the secret service too often. Get yourself out there. Go to, go to Minyanim. Go learn some Tyra, right, in general. But over here, there's a, there's a rhyme and a reason for what he's doing. So Rebekah sees he's taka a tzaddik to a point where he's not, uh, he's not putting on tzitzis. Says Rebreka, Umay Taimo ki Amina Lachano, my Uvdok, how va Amrit Li Zilla Idna Vazolamachar. How come when I asked you, you know, what you do for a living, you told me to come back tomorrow? Why couldn't you give me this answer yesterday? Omar Lei, and this Halegayid says, Pahi Shaita Gazri Gazirta Vamina Beresha Ezel Vashmila Abonan. You know what happened? There was a decree against the Jewish people. So I went and I ran to inform the Rabbanon to tip them off, to start davening, to the boy Rachmi, so they can ask for mercy, Allah Dimilsa, about this, about this matter. In other words, there was Sakonis Nefoshis, I, I had something urgent, you Stam wanted to schmooze with me about what I do for a living, it was the wrong time, so I told you to come back tomorrow. Okay? Fine. Says the Gemara, says the Gemara, Adahachi Vahachi Asu Hanuch Trey. As this was happening, Two other people came to the shuk. Asi Amarle. So Elio Anavi came and told Rav Breika, Hanach Nami, not only does that jail warden go straight to Elamaba, but these two guys also, Bnei Alma de Asi Ninhu, they are also going straight to Gan Eden. Ozalagabayu, so Rav Breika went over to them. Amar Lehu, Mai Avadaihu. And he said to them, "No, how do you guys stay busy? What do you guys do?" Amrulei, they said to him, "Inchi baduche anon, we're batchanim, we're comedians, we make people happy, mabdechinon atzive, and anybody who's sad, we go make them happy. That's what we do for a living, and that's the type of people, yidden who are who see those who are down, and brighten up their day are people who are going to Elam Haba." Or you could say, or another thing that, that uh, they said they do, whenever they see two Yidin who are arguing, we do whatever we can to go and, and make Shalom and bring Shalom between them. And that's another message of the Gemara for a person who wants a ticket to Ganeidan. You want a ticket to Elam Haba? These are things that we can involve ourselves in. These are not people who only, you know, uh, not to chasusom dismiss, you know, limur hatayra the entire day. But the Gemara is saying, you don't need to be somebody who's, who's in Kailal in order to be a ben Ailam haba. A person who's out there amongst Kal Yisrael, taking care of Yidim, sayin ruchnius, sayin gashmius, such a person is a ben Ailam haba. Okay, I just want to share a beautiful story. I'll try to make it not take too long. I'll, I'll limit it. But there was a, a chassid that comes to his Rebbe. And he says, Rebbe, I need to meet Aliyah Hanavi. 
It's been my lifelong dream. I need to meet Elio Hanavi. And the Rebbe says, why is it so important to you? He says, Rebbe, if I meet Elio Hanavi, that would be amazing. So Rebbe says, listen, I'll tell you what. Before Rosh Hashanah, pack, a, pack your bag and fill it up with food. And here's directions. I want you to walk to a specific place in the forest. Go on Arab Rosh Hashanah and there you'll meet Ali Hanavi. And the Siyad's all excited. He makes a chanas, he goes to the mikveh, he takes a sack and he fills it up with chalas and everything that he needs, everything that he needs for Rosh Hashanah for Yom Tif. Plus, he needs to share with Ali Hanavi too. So he takes even more food, right? And he travels off into the forest and he gets to the location after he follows the Rebbe's guidance and he can't find Ali Hanavi. There's no Leon Navi. He's waiting and waiting. It's almost Rosh Hashanah. There's no Leon Navi. But he notices a little bit further down, there's a little shack. There's a shack. And he's stuck now. He can't go back home. It's, yom, it's almost Yom Tif. He's all, all and He's all depressed. So he knocks on the door of the shack and a young child opens the door. And this child says, what are you doing here? He says, please, I, I, I'm lost. I need a place for Yom Tif. Can I stay with you? And the kid says, I need to ask my mother. Calls over his mother, a young Almana, with a few little pitzelach, a few little kids. And he says, can I please stay for Rosh Hashanah? She says, sure, I just don't have much to offer you. So it's okay, I have my own food. He spends Rosh Hashanah there. He's mamish, he's, you know, he has sudas with them, but he's, he's very down. He thought, that he, mamish trusted his Rebbe. After Rosh Hashanah, he comes back to his Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, there's no Leonavi. Rebbe says, I'm very surprised. I don't know why Leonavi didn't meet you there. I know the location he goes to. I'll tell you what. Shabbos Shuva, this coming Shabbos, Erev Shabbos, you fill up a sack full of food and you go back to the same spot, the Navi will be there, trust me. So this Yid, all Mamish excited again, same thing, goes back to the same spot, he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting, there's no Navi. It's almost Shabbos. He knows there's a shack nearby. He goes over to the shack, he says, I Mamish apologize, I don't know how I got lost in the same spot again. I'm stuck for Shabbos, can you help me out? And they say, sure, no. He's brought here, you know, he spends Shabbos with them. He leaves, comes back to his Rebbe. He says, Rebbe, I need to meet Elio Anavi. What's happening? Rebbe says, I mamish don't understand it. I, I don't know. I'll tell you what. Erev Yom Kippur, I, I'm, he's going to be there. He's, he's going to be there. Go back. Do the same thing. Erev Yom Kippur, he fills up his sack full of food. And he goes back to the spot. He's looking at his watch. He's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting. Gunisht mit gunisht. Nobody is coming. And he is broken. He walks over to the shack. And he's about to knock on the door. And he hears a little child. And the child says, Mama, it's almost Yom Kippur. Where are we going to get food? We have to eat food before the fast. Otherwise, you're not going to make it through the fast. And the mother says, my dear child, have no fear, have no worry. The same way the Abishter sent us Eliyoh Navi for Hashana and for Shabbat Shuvah, Navi is going to come, Erev Yom Kippur too. He'll bring us food. And this Yid is standing there with a sack full of food. And he got the message of his Rebbe. The job of a Yid is not to meet Eliyahu Hanavi. The job of a Yid 
is to become Eliyahu Anavi. That's the job of Eliyahu. That's greatness. Vaiter and Gemara. Here we go. Al Elu Masriyim Bechol Makam Bechul. On the following days, we cry out um, all over the place, right? You know, as we, we start davening Bechol Makam in, uh, in all places, even if the tzara is not in my locale, even if it's in a nearby city. So I'm still going to daven, you know, even if the Arbe or the disaster, the d- damaging wind hasn't come yet to my city. Tan Rabbanah. The rabbis learn so shui al elu masri and b'chol makom. For the following tzaras, we cry out everywhere al hashid dafin for strong destructive winds val yerakon and for the drying out of produce val arban locust v'chasel a different a chasel locust val chayyera for dangerous animals. Rabbi Kiva Meir Bikiva says al hashid dafin val yerakon b'chol shu. When it comes to damaging wind and drying out produce, then even if it's starting and it's just in it's just starting out, you quickly start crying out to the Rebbeinu Shalom because once, once it pops, it don't stop. So you got to nip it right away with a davening. Arba v'chassel, when it comes to these different types of locusts, a few right near Eretz Yisrael, even if it didn't come to Eretz Yisrael, elakona echad, you just saw one wing, one knaf, masriyam aleim, you start to cry out. So the Gemara is letting us know with this b'risa, fascinating b'risa, the b'risa is letting us know, you have to know which tsaris are which. On some tsaris, you wait for it to kind of grab hold and become a full-fledged plague. And then there's other times you mama's got to nip it in the bud. What a beautiful message for our lives as well. Sometimes we have Yitzharas, we have plagues, Kaviyachal, spiritual plagues that come our way. It comes to us. It hits us as Yidin. And we need to be self-aware to know when this urge, desire, is even starting, boom. Get rid of it. There's other times where uh, uh, it's important for a yid to know what's what. It's important to know. Halavai, we don't start at all. Right? But the same way physically, sometimes you could, you could give things time. And sometimes you got to just like boom, nip it in the bud. So too it is with ruchnius. period. Valachaya. And for wild animals, when there's wild animals that are not normal, damaging in a not normal way, which the Gemara is not going to get into, what's considered not normal, also, we declare public fast days and we start to cry out. The rabbis learned, and that's why they are rabbis. The the dangerous animals that we talk about in the Mishnah is At a, It's talking about a time when Mishulachas, we're going to translate, they are Shaluchim of HaKadosh Baruch. It's the only time you make a fast for, a, for when wild animals are coming and damaging is if it's clearly the Abishter sending these animals. It's not that they're there due to nature. Okay? Now we know everything is really the Rabbani Shalom, but again, the Rabbani Shalom made the world work in a particular way. Teva works in a particular way with an undercover nace, right? It's, it's, it's covered over Nisim. Here we're dealing with when the animals come to damage in an unusual fashion. Okay? So when do you fast? When they're Mishulachas, when they're sent by the Rabbani Shalom clearly. That's when we cry out. But let's say these are not animals that are, look like they're sent to damage from the Rabbani Shalom. We don't start to cry out. Now, the Gemara is going to give some examples. The Bryce gives examples. Here we go. What's considered an animal that's sent by the Rabbani Shalom? How do I know if it's sent by the Rabbani Shalom or whether it's there? Only I'll piteva, according to nature. So the Gemara answers. If it's going into a populated city, that's very unusual. Mishulachas. 
and that means the Rabbani Shalom is sending a message. Do tshuva. Basada, but you come across wild animals out in the field? They're naturally there. If they go and damage somebody out in the field, you don't need to assume that this is a particular message to go declare uh, tainus and special davenings. If it comes during the day, it's unusual. So, that's sent. But if it's at night, it's not. It's nature. If it, if it chases after two humans, that's Meshulachas. It's unexpected, unusual. But if the animal's hiding, then Then it's nature. Let's say it attacked and tore up two people and ate only one of them. That's unusual. But once it eats both, you don't declare a fast. You know why? Because it must be, it's just a, a hungry animal. Also, if it goes up on a roof, and it grabs a baby from its cradle, that is considered mishulachas. Okay? That's, that's unusual. That's a message from the Rabbani Shalom. Now, what the Gemara, until the bottom of the Amr now, is going to do, is tear apart this brysa, with the examples the brysa gave, and ask contradictions. Because this brysa really is contradictory in that it offered extremes. For example, okay, it says if it attacks, um, we said if it's um, if a animal attacks in the fi- in the city, that's unusual. If it's out in the field, that is usual. What if it's neither? Then what? Okay, so like those types of questions. That's how we're going to go through this brisa here. Here we go. Says the Gemara, Ha Gufa Kasha. This brisa in and of itself seems to be contradictory. Amri, first we said nearest we Mishulachas. When it comes, when the wild animals inside the city, that's sent from the Rabban Shlaim. Loishna Bayam Loishna Bayla. Seems no difference by the day or by night. Bahadurama, then you said Bayam, if it's by day, Mishulachas. That's sent from the Rabban Shalom. Which means Balaila at night, even if it's in the city, ain't a Mishulachas. It's not sent from the Rabban Shalom. So it seems the, the diukim, the inferences here, seem to be contradictory. Answers the Gemara, loy kasha. There's no question here. Haki this is what the Brisa means. If it comes into the city during the day, Meshulachas, then it's sent from the Brisa. If it's in the city at night, then it is nature. Or you could say in the field, even during the day, if you're out in the field and it's attacking, then it's not considered sent from the Rabbi Nishalem. It is considered nature, and you would not declare a day of crying out. Okay, let's keep going through the Brisa. We said, If the animal sees two people and chases them, that's sent from the Rabbi Nishalem, and you better start davening. One second. What if the animal doesn't run after the people, but the animal also doesn't go and hide from them. Then it's not sent. But then you said, if the animal's hiding, that's nature. What if it's in one place? Then it is. So again, the inference here seems to be a contradiction. And on that answer, the Gemara, like Kasha, there's no question. One talking about a field that's near the swamp, which animals are usually by. And therefore, uh, it's very unusual for it to go into hiding. It's very comfortable. It's its own turf. It's got a, it's got a home court advantage. Khan, 
but uh, where do we say that uh, if it doesn't run away, it's sent by the Rabbanim That's when it's outside of its element, and um, and uh, therefore, when it's outside of its element, there's a it's it's more expected for it to start running. All right, it's more because it's uncomfortable. It should go running. And Mamela, that's the uh, that's the answer. Hence, there's no contradiction. Then we said in the Brisa, Tarpash Nebene Adam Kecha. If it killed two people in one attack, eats one of them Mishulachas. That's sent for the Rabbanu Shalom But if it eats both, in a Mishulachas. It's not sent for the Rabbanu Shalom. It must be hungry. It seemed we said that if it chased after them, that's considered Mishulachas. I does it need to eat them or not? Amar of Papa ki tonahahi ba'agma. It depends. Right inside of a swamp, again, where the animal is in its its uh, comfort zone, it's it, it's uh, it's very comfortable, and therefore it's no there, there's there's no fear built into the animal. It will any human that comes its way, it will go. It will chase after and kill. The only time we see that it, that it's uh, considered unusual for uh, near the swamp is when you have this wild animal, call it a wolf, that kills two people and eats only one. That's unusual because it should have ate both. It killed both. It should have ate both. What's the unusual? Oh, there's something unusual happening. It's not. That's a message from the Rabbi Shlaim. Okay, fine. Then we say, and this is going to be the final, um, the final part concerning this brisa of the wild animal, gufa, a piece of a previously quoted brisa, also legag the nut latinuk marisa mishulachas. We said if it climbs up onto a roof and grabs a baby from the cradle, that is sent by the rabbi nishleilam. Says the Gemara pshita, that's not usual. Of course, that's considered a message. Nebuch to hear such a misa, to hear such a story about a, a, a wild animal doing this too. A young baby, Amr of Papa, of Papa says, no, we're talking about where it grabbed a baby from the top of a trapping hut. And therefore, it's out, in, it's out in the field. And even over there, if it climbs up to the roof of a trapper's hut, we're still going to consider that an unusual circumstance. Okay? I, it's out in the field? Yeah, but they, we don't expect the animal to climb up on top of the on top of the hut to grab the baby. And therefore, no matter what, whether it's in the city, whether it's out on the field, it's always going to be considered Mishulachas, and they would declare a day of davening. Period. Two dots. Okay. Gavaldik. We're now three lines from the bottom of Chaf Bey's Amar Aleph of 22a. We're at the two dots. And we're going back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah told us that Al HaKarev, if there's sword that is coming through a city, um, the, they would declare a fast day. All right, They would declare a day of crying out. And the Gemara is going to teach us a, um, a, a little bit of history where we find how delicate um, times of sword are and, and um, weapons. Even if there's no particular battle or a war that is raging, but just the existence of weapons and weaponry around is something that is not to be taken lightly by by Klal Yisrael. 
and needs constant uh, needs constant davening. Okay, says the Gemara. Allah cherev v'chulu and for sure. Tanur Rabbanu the rabbis learned so shuri. Cherev sh'amru the sword that we're talking about. Ain't it tzarech lemar cherev she'ain it shal shalom. Certainly, if there's a war that's about to take place, of course you got to daven. Allah pibu cherev shal shalom. But listen to this. Even if there's swords passing through your land, and it's peaceful swords, there's nobody out to hurt Klal Yisrael. There's nobody intending to harm that city. Even so. You got to make sure you daven that nothing happens. Why? There's no better story to share of how careful we need to be than the historical incident involving Parai Nechai. Parai Nechai, uh, as we're going to see, wanted to go and fight against other countries on the other side of Eretz Yisrael. He didn't want to fight against Kal Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael at all, but there were other lands that he needed to pass through Eretz Yisrael in order to get to his battles. Okay? Now, there was a king by the name of Yeshiyahu, and let's read the story. There's a king, Yeshiyahu, who stumbled about this um, this uh, peaceful march that Parai Nechai wanted to make through his land. Shanemar, as it says, top of Yehuda. Parai Nechai says, listen, king of Yehuda, Yeshio, do me a flavor. Help me out. Let me just walk through your land. Okay? He says, listen, I want to travel. I want to march through your land. I don't want to fight you. I just let me pass through with my gods, his pagan gods. He says, I want to pass through. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't intend any harm. I just need a little bit of right of way. What does it mean? And my gods who are with me. Omar and Yeshiyahu said, He says, you know what, I know you want to walk peacefully through our Yisrael. If you want to walk through with your gods, nothing doing. And because you serve gods, I'll even be able to conquer you. Big mistake. He should have consulted with the Nevi'im, who would have told him to allow Paranachai to go through, but he decided that because of these psukim, he darshaned them on his own, that he's going to stop Paranachai. And what happened was, Yaishio went to fight against them, and they shot arrows at Yaishio. And the king, Yaishio, said to his servants, Please get me out of here. I'm tremendously sick. What does it mean? I'm tremendously sick. He had so many arrows. His body looked like a sieve. All right? He was just bleeding to death with all the holes inside of his body. And here's the story. The Gemara is now going to go through the story. Why was Yeshua punished in this battle against Paranachai? To, to uh, be to ultimately be conquered, to be killed. He should have consulted with your, the the navi. There's a navi. There's a gadol adar. Go ask the navi, and he didn't. My darash, 
instead of asking, he made his own drasha. It says in the Pesach, you should not allow swords to pass through your land, my cherev, said Yeshio to himself. What does it mean you shouldn't allow a sword to pass through your land? If it's talking about a fighting sword, somebody wants to go and attack Eretz Yisrael, of course I'm allowed to stop, of course I'm allowed to fight against that, right? Rather, he made a drusha. Even a peaceful sword should not come through Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, I know I will not allow Paranachai to walk through my land. And he didn't realize that his people did not have the schusim necessary to help him be successful in battle. Okay, but listen to his end. As Yeshio was davening, what was dying, Chazo Yermio Sif. Sif Vosei, Yermio saw his lips, the Kamer Rachashan, they were whispering, Omar, and Yermio, the Navi, said, Maybe Yoshio was kvetching to the Rabbanishad because of his Tsaris, he's complaining. And he leaned over and he heard that Yoshio was saying, He was saying that the Ebishter is righteous. Anafshei, more than himself. Omar, tzadikhu Hashem, Hashem is righteous, kipiu marisi, because I rebelled against his mouth. Posach aleya hishaita, and Yermia said at that moment, ruach apenu Mashiach Hashem. The breath of our mouths, of our mouths, is Mashiach Hashem, is the anointed one of the Rabbi Nishalei. Okay, that's the unfortunate incident. But what's the ultimate message? How does this get back to our Mishnah? How does it fit in? Right, We're at the two dots, a little bit before the wide lines now, three lines before the wide lines. Because we said that we need a daven even when there's peaceful swords. It's not just when there's an attack taking place against it. Even if it's going to be a peaceful sword marching through the land, it's crucial that as Kla Yisrael we daven that nothing should fall out of line, nothing should go out of whack, and chas v'sholem. Have a battle start. Period. Okay. The Mishnah says, "Maisa v'yardu zikayim yushlayim la'areyam ve'chulu." There was these. Um, th- there were these. Um, zikayim, from the Sanhedrin, that went down and they were masakein a fast because these damaging winds had started. Ibaydu they asked the Shaila, searching for information. Does it, this that they say when there's enough to fill, enough uh, wind to fill the mouth of an oven, doesn't mean of grain. Now you need a lot of grain to make bread, right? Because it's ground and everything. So is it that you have enough grain that fills up an oven? Or does it mean the size of the actual bread? In other words, these... These, uh, the, the amount of, of grain that got damaged, how much do you need? you need the grain itself or the amount of grain necessary that would have given you the bread to cover the mouth of an oven? Tashma, the Gemara answers, which means what gets put into the oven, referring to bread. We still have a curiosity question. What does it mean, the mouth of an oven? Does it mean the lid? The opening of the oven, okay, Aidoma, or perhaps Kidara Derifta, that it means the, the same way you place the dough, the Hadalai the Puma the Tanura. 
the, the way they would make, nowadays even, the way they properly make lafas, yeah, in Eretz Yisrael, the old way is that they, they, they slap us dough against the walls of the stone ovens. It doesn't mean the, the size of the opening itself, or does it mean uh, just the, the, the wall of an oven, the amount that you would put the dough into, Okay. Take the Gemara says that that much we don't know. The question stands: Tishbi Atarids, Kushiyos Ve'Avayis. Period. Okay, we're now going to say a uh, very unfortunate story, but unfortunately important lahalacha. And the Mishnah says that they would decree a tainus if there were wild animals that ate two children. There was a story of bulls, wolves ate up two babies. And they kept an eye on these wolves once the babies were eaten. And their, their uh, bodies came out a few days later in the excrement of the wolves. And they came to the Chomim to ask him a shayla about burial and the laws of Tum and Tyra. They said anything that's not hard tissue or bones is no longer considered flesh. You don't need to be concerned about that because now it's excrement and in the digestive system, it's all considered gone. However, the things that are not easily digested, the hard parts, the sinews and the bones are are, uh, going to be tummy. Okay. All right, next part of the Mishnah. For the following issues, we cry out even on Shabbos. If a city is sieged by Goyim Ainar or a river, or if you have a, a boat that is being tossed around in the ocean, or you have somebody who's being chased after by the Goyim, list him. Or by bandits, ubrei ruach ra, or shedim al kulan, yochid rishay lesagev as atzmai be tainus. A person's allowed to create a tainus for himself. Rabbi Yosi Aimer, Rabbi Yosi says, ena yochid rishay lesagev as atzmai be tainus. A person's not allowed to create a tainus on himself individually. Shama yistarich labrius because you're going to come to uh, come on to other people. Ve'ena brius merachmai zolav, and you don't know that people are going to be nice to you. And it's, therefore, it's crucial that a person never put themselves into a circumstance or a situation where they're reliant on others for their health or their financial needs. A person is a living thing, which means that the soul, the neshama that I give to you, you must keep it alive. Okay, period, two dots. Shimon Atimani says, even on Dever, you, you uh, cry out and daven on a Shabbos. They ask the question, searching for information. Sister Chum did not agree with him. Is it only that you shouldn't daven on Shabbos? But on a weekday, you should daven for these plagues. I don't like or they don't agree with him at all. Says the Gemara Toshma, come and listen. Tanya learned to the Brisa. My Sreena, I'll never be Shabbos. We call out over plague on Shabbos. And we don't even need to mention about Chayel. Certainly, 
we cry out, if you do it on Shabbos, you do it during the weekday, and Rav Chonon, Ben Pitum, Tamidah Rav Mishum Rav Kiva, Aymer, Ein, Masriyan, Aladabra, Kal Iker, you never call out over Deber at all. Okay. Period. Two dots. And then the Mishnah said, I'll call Tzorah Shlai Tavai Ala Tzibur. For every Tzorah that may not come onto the Tzibur. Says the Gemara. We want to daven that no Tzorah happens to the Tzibur. Says the Gemara. Tana Rabban of the Rabbis learned, so should we? I'll call Tzorah Shlai Tavai Ala Tzibur. For every Tzorah that does not come onto the Tzibur. Masriyan Ala, we daven to make sure it doesn't happen. Chutmi Reb Gishamim. Except for Reb Gishamim. Okay? Because Reb Gishamim... It's not dangerous, but it's still annoying, right? There's too much, uh, there, there's too much water. My timer, what's the reason? Because we never daven for too much good. When you have something that's intrinsically good, and then there's just a lot of it, you don't daven that it should stop. That's not proper. How do you know you shouldn't daven for a stop of something good, for an end of something good? You bring all the miser to the storehouse. My adbali die. What does it mean? Adbali die without limits. Until your lips are tired from saying enough. All right? You keep going. Even when it's enough, you just you, you don't dive him for it to stop. Omar Rami Bar Rav Yud. Rami Bar Rav Yud says, Uba Masriin Oleho. Outside of Eretz Yisrael, it could actually be very damaging to have too much rains if you're in the lowlands, all right? It could cause flooding, and therefore, um, it's not just a headache to have too much water. It's taka dangerous, and in such a place, taka masri and aleha, we would cry out to have it stop. Tana Miyaku, we learned the price similarly. Shono shegeshameho meruvim. If you have a year where there's a lot of rain, anshei mishmar shechel, anshei maimit, the men of the mishmar, Send to the members of the Maimid. Okay, the Kahanim are sending to the members, the Yisraelim, and they say, Please make sure to daven on behalf of those in Gaulim that their bottom should not become their home, should not become their graves because they get flooded over. They asked a Shaila to Rabbi Eliezer, Yardim, the Espalu how much rain comes down in Eretz Yisrael before it's considered dangerous? That we say you got to stop davening. Omar lahem, that, that you got to start davening that it should stop. Omar lahem, adam Enough that a person stands in a place called Karen Eifel, which is an elevated place. The Yishach Sheikh Ragla B'mayim, and his feet are standing in a puddle of water. Basically what he's saying is, in Eretz Yisrael, it's never Kedai. To daven for rain to cease. I have a hatanya, but we learned in the brisa yadav. We're dealing with it so high that his hands are in the water. Says the Gemara, raglov ki yadav What I mean is that both his uh, hands and his feet can splash in in uh, in the water. Amar Rabba Bar Brachana, Edidi Chazli Karen Eifel. I saw Karen Eifel. I saw this place to come. Hahu Taya ki Rochiv Gamla. It was an Arab that was uh, riding on top of a gummel on top of a camel. And v'nokit rumcha biyadeh, he was holding a raimach, he was holding a spear in his hand. Mischazei iniva. And he looked mamish 
he looked mamish as small as an anog. He looked as small as a worm. Okay. In other words, when um, when I was on top of it, that's how high this place is. When I looked out into the distance, these these tall things looked very small. Just letting us know that this place Karen Eiffel is high enough that when we say you don't stop diving until it reaches Karen Eiffel, what it means is <laughs> you don't stop diving for rain in Eretz Yisrael. Tana Rabban of the Rabbis learns so shuiv with asati gishmechem bita. I will give rains in their proper time. Loi shikura veloi tzmeya ella beninus. You know what this means? Not not drunk rain, meaning not too much, not too little. Ella beninus. Average rain. That's what it means. When Asati Gishmechem Beitam, because Baruch says, I will give you rain in its proper time. I will give you the proper measurement of rain. Whenever there's too much rain, it makes the soil tishtush, very wet, very swampy. So it doesn't produce anything. It doesn't grow fruit. Another pshat, top of tomorrow's daf, and be'itam. What does it mean, be'itam? Be'lele revi'ais, be'lele shabbos. It's going to fall on Wednesday night and on Friday night. Because these are nights where people are generally inside and it doesn't cause a tremendous inconvenience. So another thing to notice, what's considered a rain of blessing? If the rain comes down at a time where people aren't inconvenienced. We find it is shim ben shetach, where things were good for Klal Yisrael. The rain would fall on on uh, on Tuesday night and Friday night. And the chitim, the wheat, became as large as a kilya, a kidney. And the barley was like olives. The lentils were like gold coins. And they put it away. As an example for later generations, they put it away. They put it. They they conserved it. To let us know that if, if we don't find bracha like this, it must be that it's our own sins. Because besides for that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, if not for the Aver, because Baruch Hu's world and the productivity of the world is tremendous. Shenemar manu michem. It is our Avainais that caused these things to turn away. And our Averis have caused the good to, to refrain. Find the same thing as days of Hordish. Would only rain at night when they weren't working anyway. In the morning, the wind would come in his Basra oven. The clouds would go away. The sun would come out so they could work. They'd be able to go out to work comfortably. When they saw that the, that the, the climate was conducive for work, they knew. That they were taka doing the work of the Abishter, Nakadish Baruch, who was happy and proud of what they were doing. The Valdik, we're at the two dots now, about uh, 12 lines or so from the top of of Chav uh, Gimel, Ahmad Aleph. Bez Hashem, we will pick up from here tomorrow morning. Agutavach and Afrelich and Chanukah and Agut and Chaydish. Wonderful, wonderful evening.